Welcome, class, to the studium. You may take your seats. I'm one of your lecturers, Jane. And I'm your other lecturer, Nero. And welcome to a brand new adventure here. Uh, This is the preliminary podcast set that we're doing for Radio Free Heidelin, a deep dive into the world of Final Fantasy XIV Online. Yes, as we record this, it is the day that Endwalker uh, releases to the world, at least for the the few that have uh, pre-ordered it, uh, like us. So we we are on the precipice of of the end here, and as as such, we thought it was prudent to go back to the beginning because I know that with the release of this expansion, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to want to actually give this game a try, mostly because their friends won't shut up about it. Exactly. Uh, so this this sort of couple of of pre-show episodes are uh for you the you know somebody who maybe you've you've uh got a bunch of friends who have who have been into this mmo and can't shut up about it maybe you've just seen people online who can't shut up about it maybe you've seen one of the many uh funny memes where people talk about that free trial uh but uh you know regardless of any of that we're gonna just kind of go over a little bit of of uh how the game works you know this this first one's just going to be kind of a general overview of sort of mechanically how the game is um uh the other two episodes that we do are going to be covering the actual like lore and setting and also um a bit of background on the original iteration of the game because uh interestingly enough this game has an entire like first section that is no longer accessible to anybody yeah 1.0 this game's original form was critically panned and not commercially successful if you can believe that considering the current state of things so they quite literally nuked it and we'll talk more about that in our our 1.0 coverage there but i mean it's it's a pretty well-known story now that Final Fantasy XIV is a is a phoenix of sorts that rose from the ashes to become like the biggest MMO on the market. At this point, it, 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 if it is if it is not already, it's coming quite close to eclipsing World of Warcraft in terms of player base. Yeah, especially considering World of Warcraft has, as of late, really scorned its fan base in a lot of ways. But that's that's a discussion for a different podcast. Yeah, and, you know, a fair amount of them are being siphoned off to this game. Um, so, yeah, that's, we wanted to, but that's for episode, for Prelude 3 here. For this, we just wanted to sort of explain what is up with this game. Now, the, 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 the question that must first be answered is, what is Final Fantasy fourteen online? It's a great question, and the answer to that question is it's complicated. It is an MMO, but it's an MMO that's structured a lot more like a Final Fantasy game. It is structured like an RPG. Um, it's it's very heavily story-focused. Um, it doesn't lock you into one specific class. Um, it doesn't, like... Like, uh, a good example, if you're coming from World of Warcraft, um, if you make a character, you select the class for your character, and that's the class for your character. You don't just, you know, hop around, whereas in Final Fantasy XIV, 
you can have access to everything and switch between them at will. It's it's a game that's like very rooted in the tradition of Final Fantasy, but it still like has an MMO style structure to it. Yeah, you can do any and every class in the game, crafter, gatherer, combat, whatever you want. You can fill that that page on your character profile with as many icons as you like. Um, and yeah, the, the, the story structure is one of the most interesting things. And I think the narrative of this game is really the thing that sets it apart, uh, from, from its peers here, because I think it's a very, uh, successful example of storytelling in a live game in a game that is ongoing. Exactly. I think, um, the way that um final fantasy 14 handles um its story content is actually really really uh like it's it's i think one of the most ideal ways to do it um a common thing in older mmos um is that when there's a major patch or or a piece of new content that is added that radically changes um an aspect of the game world it changes that for everybody Um, so, you know, previous content is more or less overwritten and you don't really get to go back and like experience that. And now sometimes, uh, games will sort of release, like re-release like a classic edition where you can kind of experience those things again if you're nostalgic for them. But as a new player, typically you aren't going to have access to that content. Um, in Final Fantasy XIV, um, the MSQ, or the main scenario quest, uh, the story of the game, is basically 100... It, it's it's always there. It is... The game progresses the same for someone who starts today as it did for someone who started in 2012. Um, minus, of course, the 1.0 aspect. That bit is gone. Yeah, and of course, the mechanics have changed. I know that specifically there were a lot of odd things around glamouring and whatnot. But oh, yes, there were... Uh, you can still see that if you go to Mordona. There's still vendors that sell, like, the multicolored glamour prisms for some reason. Yeah, there, there are things that have changed about the aspects of how the game works. Uh, for instance, in Endwalker, they're removing belts entirely. Um, they... A, piece of gear that has been there since 1.0 doesn't exist anymore they invented Um, elastic waistbands we don't need them anymore but that doesn't mean that anything related to the story or or dungeons in the past will change it all i mean for example one game that has recently been struggling with a the the sort of weight of content on its shoulders is uh destiny 2 where the game was just getting too goddamn big so they had to start, like, vaulting up old content to remove it from the game, um, which caused a lot of weird structural issues due to the, you know, that game also has big lore focus and whatnot. So there are just weird narrative pathways that are closed off now and other weird ones that are opened. Like, I couldn't imagine starting Destiny 2 as a new player. It would just be complete madness, but... I think Final Fantasy XIV has a, a pretty straightforward on-ramp, if a very long one. 
Yeah, it is. It is a very long one. Don't don't get it twisted. There's a lot of there's a lot of content you have to get through to actually to to get to Endwalker um, from starting the game from scratch. You're looking at probably like a couple hundred hours. Um, of, Presuming of content. you stick to a critical path, don't really do a lot of raids and whatnot any of the optional stuff yeah i don't get like, sidetracked but there's there's a lot of stuff to get sidetracked on there's like there's a ton of side quests there's crafting and gathering uh there's you know the raids you have all that stuff um now granted there's a there's a couple of like those side pieces of content that are really not technically side pieces anymore that are sort of required content now like uh yes. a couple of the raids are basically reti- required content to uh to progress in the game so you know that's yeah. that's that's like a thing but but generally speaking yeah most of that's like like side content we should uh take a moment here to exp- uh you know expand the glossary a little bit here right because we're, we're saying a lot of terms around that aren't necessarily you know someone's going to hear all the stuff we're saying and, and their head's going to start spinning so let's Let's take a moment to explain the structure of this game and its content and how it works. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. So um, I already said uh, I use the term MSQ. Uh, so that's the main scenario quest. That's the the storyline of the game as like this is the this is the content you have to do to progress in the story. And these are uh, going to be a combination of sort of walk around story quests um uh solo duties which is just like an instance battle between you and npcs uh dungeons which you know just regular dungeons you know four person uh party goes in and does that with a couple bosses thrown in uh trials which is just uh a a party going in uh, an eight-person party going in and fighting one boss, um, and that's that's basically entirely MSQ. There, the other stuff though. Yeah. So the other things are the optional content are uh, raids, pretty much, and there are two types. There are alliance raids, which are huge duties of of uh, three teams of eight people all doing the same big dungeon. And then there's normal raids, which are uh, an eight-person duty, usually a, a, like, pretty short ordeal, mostly a boss. Sometimes there's a kind of a short dungeon before that, but most of the time they're they're very quick. Um, And those are, the, the, the normal raids are segmented into three tiers of difficulty, each with four fights in it. And alliance raids are separated into three different uh, alliance raids delivered through the patches. So why don't we talk a little bit about the patches in this game? Yeah. So the way this game is kind of divided up is you'll have the you'll have main segments and then the patches between them. So uh, like 2.0 is. ARR, that's a Realm Reborn, that's the core content of the game that you get access to immediately when you start. Um, and that's the main story of, of that that section. And when that completes, you get into the patch quest, you know, 2.1 to 2.5. And those are 
Uh, typically, the way that the patches work is they're going to introduce um, raid content. Um, they'll introduce... Um, Usually, uh, that they'll be concluding the tail end of the storyline and sort of tidying up from the last major release, um, and then also setting up the story for the next one. Yes. So the way this works is, as you said, the point .0 patches, those are the expansions. Patches point .1, point .2, and point .3 of each set are the post-story patches they're the ones that are finishing the end uh, of whatever for instance 5.3 that is the end of Shadowbringers. uh 0.4 and 0.5 are normally what people call pre-expansion patches these are the ones that set up the story for the future um and and of course sprinkled in all of these if you're if you're current in content is raids and optional trial series and all of this other stuff that gets added in there are of course other smaller patches uh for you know seasonal in-game events and and other sorts of things but normally those do not have any sort of big content attached to them it is the it is the the 5.0 or the the 0.0 through 0.5 patches that are the big meaty ones yes exactly um and that's sort of the 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 structure that uh, the majority of the game takes. Though it's worth pointing out that uh, Endwalker sort of breaks this dichotomy a little bit. Uh, the raid content for Endwalker is going to still take place in its post patch que- uh, in, in in the uh, the post expansion patches. Um, however, the actual story is going to be completely concluded inside of 6.0 it's actually like um a slightly larger expansion than uh the other expansions are in order to accommodate this yeah so and there's there's a lot of weirdness with the content rollout for endwalker due to its unique position as the capstone for this storyline that brings us to the next point yes it's called endwalker and yes it is the end of this story no the game is not finished yet. Oh no, it's not finished. It's it's one of those things that I can't imagine is going to be finished for a long time. Uh, uh, Yoshi P, who's the sort of game director of the entire thing, um, has has said on multiple occasions that this is basically his life's work, and he's not really going to ever stop working on it as long as he's still able to. So I can't imagine that you know, barring any kind of like extreme financial problems that you know final fantasy 14 is going to stop anytime soon and i mean this this game is making money for square hand over fist it is their most profitable product like by a landslide oh yeah and like it's it's no it's no wonder why i mean it's like mmos are pretty much always cash cows but like especially when you sort of rely on this extremely like grassrootsy kind of marketing like it was a very it was a very like very ballsy stunt actually to like make the free trial as like comprehensive as it is the fact that you can play basically half of the entire game for free 
and you get access to almost all the content. Like there's very, very, very little content you don't have access to um, in like in the in the oh. free trial. So it's like it's 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 really cool. It was like is a huge gamble because like you know that's a bunch of people playing like 300 hours of your game who are not paying you a dime for the privilege. But the 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 thing is because of that people are really really like supportive of the game and as people play through it they really enjoy it and they they spend more money on it than like they probably would have otherwise like giving people that opportunity to really get a sense of what the game is about before buying you know it, it lets the game kind of get its hooks in you before you um like uh like end up making a decision on whether or not to, to actually purchase it so it's you know it's like it's like a very it was a very well done like stunt i think on their part and it, it really paid out it's very smart uh it's much more it's much smarter than their previous free trial uh which went up to level 30 which is like in the middle of arr yeah in the middle um, of arr and i think specifically if i remember correctly the it stopped before you even fought titan right Yes, it was you. It was before that bit, which is the actual sort of halfway point of a realm reborn. It was extremely bizarre, and uh, but no, the, of course, as you I'm sure you've heard, the free trial now extends through critically acclaimed expansion Heavensward. That means literally everything: the post patches, the raids, the trials, you, the, the the optional trial series. You can do everything. The things you can't do are mostly system related. Um, you have a cap for gill the in-game currency you cannot use uh you cannot buy things from the market board um and you cannot send friend requests or receive mail but other than that like it's it's basically everything is there in front of you um and i should i should note i say that it has an in-game currency there is no real money involved in the game at all the only real money transactions are in the cosmetic store of the mog station and the subscription of course um you can't in fact real money trading is heavily policed by uh the the game moderators they don't like it oh yeah they really don't like it like there's some bots that try and like you know get people to go to like freeguild.web and like put in their credit card information but like yeah, no, real money trading is is really looked down upon. It's it's super super not not kosher. Um yeah, and and what I also quite like actually is that the mog station items, the the optional purchases you can make, um pretty much all exclusively cosmetic. There's there's one very major um exception to this, which is like uh, the level and job skips which um which you can purchase they're a little expensive uh they're basically they exist to like um if you just uh want to to skip straight to you know uh, 6.0 or whatever you can buy like for 30 dollars, you can get a thing that just like lets you skip all the way there and it gives you like a set of level 80 gear or whatever um if you do that 
This podcast is not for you. Yeah, you're. I, we would highly recommend against doing that for you know your first character. It's I, I really do think that like playing through the whole thing is like a pretty good experience. Um, there's a lot of people who will say that ARR is not worth your time and that you should just skip it. I I don't really agree. I think ARR has a lot of problems, which we will get into. Um, however, I think there's a lot of good in it, and I think that it would it would really be doing yourself a disservice to just skip it outright. So I would recommend sticking with it and like just, uh, and, and getting through that part of the story, um, without, plus you have to spend like, like fifteen thirty dollars to skip it. So I, I would not recommend in addition it. to buying the game and the, and the monthly subscription fee, that's like easily $120 to get to current content, which you will have no context for. Um, you know, speaking of ARR and the story, I think we should talk about how we came to be the uh, in so deep as we are now. Because we certainly didn't start out like that. We've only been playing the game for about a year. That's true. So our experiences with the game um, kind of just come from the the like our friend circle. Um, uh, a couple of people in our friend circle were uh, very deeply into the game and had been for a really long time and sort of would would post about it and would talk about it and uh, for a long time i in specific was actually very resistant to like engaging with the game at all i have had miserable experiences with mmos in the past i hated world of warcraft could not stand it um which is to say if you like it that you know, it's bad or whatever. I just like, I, I just really, really, really hated the gameplay. I couldn't, I, I just could not get into it. Um, and I had this really, it really colored my interpretation of, of the whole genre really. So I was, was very resistant to actually like engaging with Final Fantasy 14 at all. I just sort of assumed it was the kind of game where it's like, okay, you stand still in a room and you click on guys and you press buttons and that's it. And, you you know, there's not like meaningful, like engagement with it. Like, like I'm, I'm somebody who really likes a lot of like movement and sort of more actiony vibes. Right. And I just didn't think that would exist in, in Final Fantasy 14. Uh, it does, which is really nice. I was much in the same boat. I wasn't quite as resistant or, or you know dunk dunking on on mmos as much i just never got into mmos i don't i didn't i didn't think i could i didn't think i could actually connect with the mechanics of an, of an mmo i i tried a few i tried warframe which is another very big one but the issue i had with that was that i it felt like a half-baked action game that i and i would rather just go and play like uh, like a like a high octane shooter like Vanquish or whatever. If I wanted to do something rather than uh, play Warframe, so I did. I didn't quite like Warframe very much. And yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen had been around in my friend circles, and people were always talking about it. And I was like, yeah, it seems cool, but I don't think I'll ever you know really get into it. Um, and then and then like I, I just watched as people were just having these huge like emotional connections with the story and the characters, and I was like, "That's weird." I thought this was an MMO because you know the the poster child for the MMO genre until quite recently was World of Warcraft, a game not 
particularly known uh, for its high quality stories, especially as of late. Yeah, that's um, that, that's definitely like a big part of it for me too. Is like I, I definitely am somebody who's like very very heavily invested in like narrative and storytelling in games, and I also felt like that was just something that couldn't exist in the genre at all, and it, that was like a big reason why I was just completely disinterested in it. And of course, the other ones uh, like Warframe and, and Destiny, they have a lot of lore, and they have a lot of cool settings. But I never got the particular feeling that they had engaging stories. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff if you read the codexes in Destiny or Warframe, but not a lot of it is actually reflected in the game at all. Um, at least not where I was at in Warframe. Meanwhile, this is 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 very tied into its story and characters in a way that is completely inexorable. I can't really imagine playing this game if you aren't into the story. It just doesn't seem like there'd be a lot there for you. Yeah, this is this is a very narrative heavy game and that's and that's like a very big difference, right? Is that there's there's a difference between um like world building and setting and and narrative and um you kind of have to have a pretty good mix of all three to make something truly special and i think uh 14 has that um in spades i i think it's it's got a really really interesting setting uh with a lot of detailed sort of background information that you can learn um and it also has like a pretty compelling narrative that that sort of builds on itself throughout the whole story it's it's kind of shocking how much the story actually does build on itself. Um, there's a lot of stuff that is that is um, teased out and like uh, established um, sometimes many many years before it would become relevant at all. This this is a game that definitely operated on sort of a master plan style of narrative versus a narrative that sort of developed um, like over time if that makes sense and of course it's helped along by the fact that it is a final fantasy game final fantasy is a game or a series rather where each iteration is entirely separate from everything else but it has a lot of like names and characters and like world building that it can pull on in general like every game has materia most games have summons there's always a Sid, like there's always a big, there's always a wedge. Um, it's something that can help sort of go to kickstart where it's tied to this sort of thing, sometimes very directly tied to other games. Uh, in particular, there is a Alliance raid series during the Stormblood uh, section of the game that is pretty much a sequel to uh final fantasy tactics and final fantasy 12 uh yeah is... yeah that's that's pretty cool i i quite like that a lot um it's my understanding is it's not necessarily like a a completely direct sequel because like final fantasy 12 and tactics do not take place on Hydaelyn. um it's just sort of a parallel situation where the events of final fantasy 12 and tactics basically also happened on Hydaelyn. and there are lots of things like that right there's uh you know there's 
the uh, the Evilus raids. There's lots of fights that pull directly from other other parts of Final Fantasy, um, and like it's it's kind of remarkable the way it can it can build upon its foundation. I back to how I came to start playing it. I was going to come in uh, when, once I heard that they expanded the free trial up through critically acclaimed expansion Heavensward. Um, I was like, well, you know what? Fuck it. I'll try it. Uh, there's no skin off my nose if I don't like it. It's a free trial, uh, whatever. And it just sucked me in. Um, th- this game has that effect. I think you will either bounce off of it, get stuck somewhere and, and give up for a bit, or it will it will sort of pull you into its warm embrace. Um and, and that's where I was. I paid for my subscription basically as soon as I finished 2.0, and I haven't looked back since. Yeah, I... And I'll tell you one one big thing, one huge thing that got me into this game over a lot of other MMOs. This game has really good controller support. Because when you look at an MMO screen, specifically the kind of the, the, the Warcraft brand of mmo right because that, that that definition has expanded there's shooters like destiny and whatnot but final fantasy is very much in the world of warcraft species of, of mmo where you've got cooldowns and hot bars and all this sort of other stuff you look at a, a, at, a at a um screenshot of a game like that and if you're not used to it it just sort of looks like a like a madness rune like you're going to go insane from the revelations of this but the the game has an extremely parsable HUD uh, customization system, and it has really really good controller support, and it feels really good to play it on a controller, which is a big thing. I I, I play most things on a controller, other than uh, shooters for the most part, and I'm not sure. If I would have stuck with this game, if it didn't give me the option to to use a controller like it does and, and does so well. Yeah, and that's the experience that actually a lot of um, people in our friend circle have also had where the controller aspect really like let them play the game um, a lot more easily than they would have been able to if it was on mouse and keyboard. Uh, now I, I am a mouse and keyboard user, um, but I also have like uh, some like dexterity issues, so I have to kind of like work around that a little bit. Um, so like my my like hotkey setup is really weird, but but yeah, I can definitely see why the controller setup is like like extremely extremely helpful. And another thing is, like we said, our social circle was already heavily involved in Final Fantasy XIV, and basically it kind of expanded from there to kind of pull everyone in, and eventually Final Fantasy XIV became like, a, it's a social space, it's a thing you can do with your friends, either just hanging out, doing casual stuff like running dungeon roulettes, or, or, or just like grinding something out while you're hanging out or you can you know do some of the harder high-end content that really requires you to have mastery of of the mechanics and and your ability rotations and the movement in the game yeah or which is really which is really fulfilling i think the the high-end content is very fun and, and difficult it is there's there's actually there's a ton of mechanics in this game 
Um, it's they're they're all very very imaginative, and I think like uh, for the most part are handled really well, and the telegraphs are great, and even the like actual uh, snapshotting that's done server side is typically pretty good and doesn't leave you you know really frustrated that you know you get caught in something that you definitely weren't in though it does happen sometimes it's just not it's it's very uncommon it depends on the fight and so it it sort of becomes this thing where yeah it's it's a game you can boot up whenever and and you'll always have something to do like one one of the things i like I, i believe the producer yoshi p has gone on record saying like he doesn't want this game to be as, as like addicting and exploitative as a game like Fortnite, for example, where it's just battle pass after battle pass, content constantly coming in in a flood. What he wanted was more of a game where like you can play it however you like. This can either be like the game you want to play and put your time into, or it can be a game where you do the content you want to do and then you can turn off your sub and go do something else and come back whenever you want to. Yeah, and that's, I think, a really, really admirable way to go about it. And I can't imagine that that's making him an especially popular guy within the actual corporate structure of Square Enix, but at the same time, it's also like, you know, they can't really do anything about it because, of course, he is running their most lucrative IP right now. He is the director for the next mainline single-player Final Fantasy game as well. He is directing Final Fantasy XVI, which is quite exciting. Um, that That's giving a lot of people way more interest in that game than I think uh, they would have otherwise, knowing that he is involved. Because, like, we can, we'll get into a bit more of his particular history with the game once we actually get to the, uh, the, the 1.0 prelude episode. And I want to go and watch that no clip documentary that they made about the the a realm reborn relaunch but he is basically he and his team basically salvaged this game from ruin and and skyrocketed forward he is like the 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 team working on this game are are functionally wizards i don't really know how it happened there will never probably never be another story in terms of game development, like Final Fantasy XIV, um, but it is quite remarkable. And so, one of the reasons we want, we you know, everyone's looking forward to Endwalker, and a big reason is that the players of this game have a dog. The players of this game have a good amount of faith in the the production team, like writers, directors, producers, all of this stuff. They have utmost confidence uh in them me included i think i think they're gonna knock it out of the park oh yeah i think so too they they have um they have a really decent writing staff i think they've got they've got a great they they have they have all of the 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 pieces of the puzzle uh laid out before them and i i think they're gonna they're gonna arrange them correctly it's uh they they've got the game as a whole has, I would call it a mixed track record, but I think on the whole, more positive than negative, and certainly recently, much more positive than negative. Uh, you know, Shadowbringers is as like broadly uh, beloved as it is, I think in large part due to the fact that it's, um, 
It's not only like a really good narrative, uh, but it also kind of recontextualizes and tries to sort of improve on um, weaker parts of the story that didn't really get um, quite as much love uh, as they probably should have uh, in the in the previous parts of the game. Yeah, like where this podcast aims to be a comprehensive companion to your time with Final Fantasy XIV, and that means critical analysis. I think this game has some really smart, canny writing and some great characters, and I also think it has some weird politics at some points, and other points it just has straight up bad writing moments. Like, I think there's bits of this game that I just scratch my head at and wonder how it happened, but that's what we're here to figure out. That's what we're here to kind of do is take every piece of this sprawling massive world and story and try to get the full vision of it which as far as i'm aware no one's ever tried to do with this game in its entirety before um and and so the 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 kind of project statement i suppose is yeah comprehensive companion and we We'll go along with you to really pick this game apart to its component pieces. Exactly. We really, ideally what we want Radio Free Highland to be is very similar to what the podcast of power was, right? And is still a, uh, a, a companion piece that is just as uh, watchable or listenable to uh, new comers to the story as well as people who really fell in love with it in the first place and want to kind of relive some of it and and kind of hear uh a little bit more of a a like nuanced um and and like broken down um critique and analysis of the actual story itself and to that end we're going to be doing it in kind of a similar fashion as well where we're going to have like kind of a, a segment of the cast which is dedicated to the um the story as it's happening as it unfolds in that portion we're covering um and then a back half that's going to sort of try and contextualize it in the broader story um what hooks there are and how that connects to different portions of things um it's it's this is a pretty analytical project that, that we're trying to put together here something where we're really trying to 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 dig in to the narrative here and you know see what makes it tick and of course you know we're gonna be playing the game too we're gonna be replaying everything with fresh characters from level one to the end of endwalker um and and beyond probably we could just watch cutscenes on youtube i guess and read the wiki to get information but i i don't think that you know makes for a very interesting uh lens to view something from we we need to reimmerse ourselves once more from the very start knowing where everything goes and we are also going to of course you know set up a space for everyone else to sort of sort of come along on that journey we're gonna have a free company which is a you know a, a sort of player run organization where other people you know you meet up you do content you do other stuff yeah. we're gonna have that we're gonna have a discord server we're gonna have everything yeah we're gonna have a we're gonna have a whole deal and uh it's gonna be fun so hopefully you know we'll be able to uh to sort of experience that together it'll be it'll be pretty fun um 
And what exactly will you be experiencing if you sign up for this game right now? If you are at this point in the episode and you say, fuck it, I'm sold, I'm going to go to Square Enix and then get the thing. First of all, you have to navigate the sort of arcane uh, process of, of buying the game, which hasn't really advanced since 2012. Um, the phrase one-time password might show up. We're, we're as confused as you are. Yeah, the one-time um, password thing is very weird. Don't worry about it. It's like my understanding, vague as it is, is that if you sign up for that, they like physically mail you a little like thing that generates a password for you and then you type that in and that's your login i don't know i don't worry about that bit but once you're in you're in there once you have bought the game and you're in the character creator you can you can make your guy or girl or you know bunny or lizard or whatever you want you make that and then it was gonna it's gonna ask you to make a choice about your job and you'll say i'm not here to work i'm here to play a game ah, ah, ah. final fantasy since what four i think was the first one to use this system i believe it was four. Um, yeah. each combat class and, and whatnot are are called jobs so you know white mage black mage dragoon all of these are jobs and you will be selecting one of the A Realm Reborn starting classes uh, to, to start out your time with the game as. Exactly. And um, we're going we're gonna to kind of go over these, these classes kind of broadly uh, here. So you have like a general idea of, of how this is going to go. But uh, to, to sort of go over the, the way this is going to work, right? So like um, the A Realm Reborn classes that you start with become jobs later on specifically at level 30 so it's like you start out with a smaller kit that expands later um, additionally you have um, the classic sort of uh, triangle uh, dichotomy of classes uh, where you have your dps or your you know your damage dealers uh, you have your healers and then you have your tanks Yes, so let's talk a little bit about these three roles. Obviously, you know, well-known, this kind of MMO triangle. Every game has it. Um, it all depends on what you want to do in this game. And of course, as you remember, you can do whatever. There's no limits. But what you prefer to do is important. So let's start with DPS. So DPS is separated into sort of three subsets which is physical, magical, and ranged. Um, we'll expand more on that in a later prelude, but mostly that's sort of flavor and, and some mechanical and movement-based stuff. Your job, if you choose to be a DPS, is maybe both the easiest and the hardest. You are the guy who's dealing damage, right? Like you are the, the main source of damage for your party, which means you need to know what all of your abilities do, when to use them and how to use them. Um, and you know, this is easy at level 15 or whatever, when you have, uh, five buttons you can press 
it stops being easy after a certain point. Yeah, you get a lot more than five buttons, and you're also going to have to be pressing those buttons eventually while avoiding attacks um, and, and dealing with like stage hazards and other sort of mechanics like that. Um, of course, that comes pretty. That comes a lot later. So you know, don't worry about that for now. But you know, keep it in the back of your mind. This is, you know, this is a game that has some pretty active uh, portions to it. There's a lot of movement involved. There's a lot of like. There's, there's a lot of things to do beyond just pressing the button. So it's it's important to bear that in mind. Next is tanks. Big beefy. You know, your job is to make sure that uh, none of the enemies turn on your party and and turn them into a fine red mist. You are the guy soaking up all the damage. Um, That is your main job. In my opinion, tanking is probably the easiest job in the game. And you may you it may seem anxiety inducing, right? Like, oh god, I'm I'm the most important person on, on in this party. How am I supposed to? You know, do this. It, it's fine. Tanking is all about damage mitigation and staying alive while helping your party do what they need to do. Um, and to that end, you are also the one who sort of controls the pace of the game, right? Everyone follows you. So if you are like me, for example, and you just want to have every enemy in in the dungeon attack you all at once you love the big pulls i love the big pulls i like playing tank yeah you can you can go about it that way you can you can do the big pulls you can do the you can do the the like wall to walls the huge uh massive uh like three four enemy groupings like that um or you can, uh, if you if you know if you have some anxiety, you don't want to do that, or if you're just not as confident, or it's like a new dungeon, you don't, you know, you're not familiar with it. Um, it's also perfectly fine to just get one pack of enemies and take and take a dungeon a little bit more slowly. And uh, something that's that's genuinely really nice about Final Fantasy XIV, um, at least with my experience um, with the other MOs I've tried, is that the community is, for the most part, I would say majority, very supportive and very nice. Like, people are generally very nice, and they're not going to, like, give you a hard time for not being, like, optimal or, or you know, dying during, you know, a duty or something like that. Like, uh, like a common experience... Um, in, in some other things like World of Warcraft, for example, is that, you know, you wipe once or twice and the party just disbands and you have to kind of requeue in and do a bunch of stuff. But in, in Final Fantasy XIV, it's not really the way it goes necessarily. Usually people just, you know, you just try until you get it. It's, and then, you know, nobody's going to be screaming at you for, for not getting it right on your first try. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of tanking anxiety, but uh, but generally speaking, people are very nice, and if you need to take things at a slower pace, that's totally fine. Yeah, like I have played this game upwards of I think I I, I haven't checked last time, but I'm pretty sure I'm over two thousand hours now. Oh yeah, there are only like three incidents I can p- take to mind or c- call to mind of people being shitheads to me. And for that many hours and that much content that I've played, 
That's quite impressive. And, you know, obviously I play a lot with my friends. I don't do party finders for high-level content. I usually do that with pals. So obviously the, the experiences will vary. But that's why it's a good thing to have uh, people you play with regularly or a static, as uh, as it is called in the community, for this high-level stuff. And tanks, you know, if you die, if you, if you, if you get too big for your britches and you die in a dungeon pull... No one's going to get mad at you. No one's going to... Or if they do, they're being unreasonable. Um, but it, it rarely happens. People just move on. Like, ultimately, what the, 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 the game does have a very nice mood a lot of the time. It's just relaxing. Unless you specifically seek out those high-end places where the stakes are higher and people are a bit more testy. Yeah, exactly. And uh but yeah, lar- largely speaking, pretty pretty chill experience. Um the other thing uh to note with tanking as well is that soaking up damage and controlling the pace of things and making sure that everyone else uh stays alive by, you know, you you know, absorbing all of that damage is really only the first half of your job because the second half is you also deal damage. Uh tanks do not uh have an inconsiderable uh, uh amount of amount of damage they put out they they actually do a pretty reasonable chunk of dps a lot of the time so it's important to know that you know while you're doing that you still you're you're also like providing that as well which which i quite like a lot it's um it's really nice that that's like a part of playing the game like every single class healers and tanks included do damage it's like a you know you you're not you're never like pigeonholed into like this spot where you don't really feel like you're participating um like you're still doing stuff like uh you know gunbreaker and white mage for example uh tank and a healer respectively uh sometimes are doing like you know top of the party dps in certain cases because like they're they have like pretty high output for that sort of thing and speaking of white mage let's talk about the third and final and most important pillar of the the triangle here the healers now of course healers they keep the party alive that is the basic description of their job it quickly gets more complicated than that healers are the backbone of any party now, if you're coming from another uh, another MMO, like, say, World of Warcraft, from what I understand, healing in that game was basically all about keeping everybody topped up at all times. This is not entirely the case in Final Fantasy XIV. If you're a DPS player and you're complaining about heals, you're not thinking about the game right. Healer's jobs is to chiefly keep the tank alive. Right below that is keep everyone else alive. And then very slightly below that is deal damage. Healers also deal damage. Tanks also deal damage. Everyone's got to hit the boss. So healers are, I, I think they are the kind of middle ground of, of tanks and DPSs. They're more complicated than a tank to play tank abilities are usually pretty straightforward and very easy to read they're mostly about timing and game sense dps's are much more technical you have to learn how all these skills work how they interlock and when to use them 
healers don't have long rotations or anything like that, but they do have very specific abilities that you need to learn and know when to use them. Healers are also all about game sense. Um, when to use the the quote-unquote emergency heals that don't have the same cooldowns as the rest of your abilities. When you use the AoE stuff, when do you put the buffs on, all, all of this sort of thing makes healing one of the more, like, high-pressure engaging jobs, if that's what you want. And, you know, once again, like tanking, there might be a bit of anxiety about healing, but I think... It is it is a it is a job that is quite fun and quite fulfilling and not nearly as as like a much of a toxicity magnet as say playing medic in Team Fortress Two is. Yeah, exactly. Like like generally speaking, um, again, similarly to tanking, if you know you let everybody die because you made a mistake or something like that, you know, there's not there's not exactly a lot of like hard feelings to go around typically speaking like usually people are pretty cool about that sort of thing so most of the time the tank will simply say in chat oh sorry i'll 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 sort of shrink the pulls i'm doing yeah exactly and that's that's another nice thing too is that typically speaking the uh the party will kind of adjust to like sort of naturally adjust itself to its like weakest link so you know if the dps is really low or if the tank is dying a lot or if the healer's dying a lot or whatever then you know you all just sort of self-organize into like a way that you know is making the dungeon a little bit easier uh which is nice it's it's like a it's just sort of a nice aspect of the design of the game that it sort of accommodates that and so that is the all of the main roles, which of course have their own subsets and their own quests. Each job comes with its own uh, quest line, um, and later on, each role, their own story and, and their own stuff, which I think is real neat. It's uh, it, it, this also extends to crafting and gathering classes. Those also have their own storylines, which is just a, a, a way to make leveling all that much more fun because you get like. You get other, you get new story bits. You get to meet new characters as you learn how to play this class and get new abilities and whatnot. Exactly. And to briefly go over it as well, crafting and gathering is sort of a non-combat side content thing. Um, Crafters and gatherers, as the names imply, um, are classes where you are like, uh, you're crafting items like gear or uh, housing furniture or materials um, and gatherers are going out to locations uh, on the world map and gathering resources um, that can be used by gatherers uh, to do or can be used by crafters to do crafting and um, these are like uh, they they have their own little storylines going on that are usually pretty pretty cool um, and you have like uh specific content tailored just for that like you could sink 300 hours just in like that content by itself and probably wouldn't even finish all of it it's like there's a lot to do so let's start going over some of the combat jobs i think we will we won't cover crafters and gatherers quite extensively yet maybe that's something down the line we'll do uh, but right now we want to focus on the combat jobs. So first things first, a bit of an explanation about classes. Um, the initial 
are Omri born jobs that are accessible to you from the character select screen. And in one case from level 10 in a certain city, um, all start as a different thing, a, a class, sort of a, a downgraded version of the full job. Um, each one kind of, uh, as Jane said earlier, evolves into the job at level 30. And this is important. Some people don't know about this. Uh, it, for me, it's not uncommon to see people in level 32 or 35 content pa- far past the point where you should have had your job stone and they'll load in as a, a class. I've seen gladiators and, and archers and whatnot in dungeons where they shouldn't be. So the one you have, the thing you have to keep in mind when starting with ARR, get your job stone. It is important. After you finish your level thirty class quest, there your uh, the 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 NPC that you were getting these quests from will have another quest for you right away to get you your job stone. Yes, and your job stone is a physical item that gets put in your inventory in a special slot. Um, and that you have to actually physically equip that job stone onto your character for you to get access to your job actions. So, uh, so that's important to bear in mind. That's like it's it's a thing that the game you know tries to tutorialize to you a bit, but it is it is easy to miss it if you like aren't paying attention. So you know, bear that in mind. Level thirty, you get your little fancy rock. Put it in the fancy rock slot. All right, let's go over broadly uh each of the jobs here so let's start with the dps uh who are accessible in arr so that would be uh for the physical side monk dragoon and ninja for the magical side black mage and for the ranged side bard yes so to briefly explain uh and i have played uh all of the jobs in the game um so i I know a little bit about all of them and a lot about some of them so melee dps in general of course you're going to want to be close right you you are in striking distance of the boss you are doing a lot of sort of uh positional based things where it depends on what way you're facing towards the boss and you are also doing a lot of uh party buffs especially in dragoon's case so i'm getting ahead of myself let's start with monk why would you start with monk uh monk is of course punches um they are not quite as complicated as say a black mage or a ninja uh to start with but ultimately uh as they are right now they aren't quite as flashy as the others they don't get that wow button that some other jobs do um but to make up for that monk has a sort of flow uh the 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 main gameplay of monk is that you transition between three different stances that give you access to different attacks and the rotation of monk is all about kind of getting into the rhythm of this and you know flowing like water moving around the boss doing your different stances and your different attacks that that is that is sort of monk's uh purview is is just being fast and flowy yes um then you have of course uh dragoon lancer turns in dragoon and this is a class that is uh largely built around using 
your like extreme plethora of of weapon skills to deal a lot of uh burst damage very quickly and um just really uh really hammer away at individual targets and this the dragoon is really really focused on individual targets you in fact don't you don't actually even get um most of your aoe skills until like way way later in fact like you don't get your initial aoe until level 38 yeah it takes a bit to get your actual aoe skills as dragoon so you you are very focused on single target damage and for this reason it's one of the best single target damage uh classes in the whole game it it has just like crazy burst damage you you were laser focused on one guy and stabbing that guy to with within an inch of his life Ninja, which evolves from Rogue, is kind of an odd one out here, where it was added in the post-ARR patches, unlike every other job in the game, which was added in an expansion. Um, it is, uh, you can only unlock, you can, uh, you can get it from level 10. You cannot pick it from the start, but if you happen to start in Limsa Lamensa, one of the three starting cities, which depend on which job you pick, uh, you will be able to pick it up. Now, Ninja is, um, how would I best describe Ninja? There, Ninja seems very complicated at first, but ultimately it is kind of almost playing a rhythm game. Um, or not, no, not even that. It is about executing combos. Uh, if you were like a fighting game player, I think Ninja might be something you quite enjoy because, so Ninja has these, these three, things they press called uh, mudra, which, uh, depending on, on what sequence you press them in, you get access to different attacks that do different things. And so Ninja is all about doing these different things to kind of uh, do their attacks. And, and they, they, of course, have other stuff along the way, but uh, ultimately Ninja is very much about uh, precision, and and uh, burst damage and all of this sort of thing. I, I find it quite enjoyable to just unload a, a a burst phase with ninja. It's quite fun. Oh yeah, it's it, it seems like it's pretty fun. I haven't actually gotten a chance to uh, to try ninja yet. It's uh, but uh, but it seems very very fun. Um, Bard is uh, actually that's the that's the class I started playing the game with was uh, was was archer and bard. And I, uh, for, and I, and for the record, I started with pugilist and went into monk. Yes. They're, they're a big, they're a big fan of the punching. Um, and, and Archer and Bard is kind of a weird one. I, I find that it's like, it's a very mobile class in the sense that, um, uh, the physical range DPS, uh, like we said earlier, is kind of a middle ground between the melee and the magical range DPS, where you have a lot of mobility, but you're still at range. So you sort of get the best of both worlds in that scenario, where you can move around pretty freely, um, but you don't have to be right up in uh, in a boss to actually get anything done. Um, the sort of trade-off is that uh, you also have quite a lot of sort of I guess you could call them party skills. Like Bard in particular has quite a lot of uh, of party skills. Uh, you you're focused on um, 
playing songs actually you you get you end up having three songs by the end of it and um they they're sort of party-wide buffs that uh give you different things depending on which song is being played. And a lot of your skills sort of revolve around um, keeping your your music going, um, but also keeping um, damage over time skills going um, on sort of as many people uh, as you have available to you. So it's, it's a very interesting sort of juggling act. Like, it's a very rhythmic style of playing that I, I really quite like. And of course, Bard also has a lot of what people call OG CDs or off global cooldown buttons, which uh, the the basic on those is they are attacks that you can do separate from your main skills, which all share a cooldown. They're uh, they're free damage buttons basically, and Bard has a lot of these, but a lot of them can only proc in certain situations. So that makes Bard sort of this. It's a little bit unreliable and a little bit wonky, but when everything goes right for Bard, it feels really good. It does. It's it's a very interesting class, and I, I quite like it a lot. I, I would definitely recommend it. I feel like if you're the kind of person um, going into an MMO and one of your concerns is similar to mine when I was coming into it, where I was like, okay, I don't want to just be standing around pressing buttons. I want to like be a little bit more mobile, uh, but you know, I still kind of want to be at range or whatever. Archer is probably the class that you'll want to start with. Um, I think it's it's a really, really, like, fun way to start the game. Um, it's definitely, like, it definitely helped get me into it when I was pretty hesitant. Um, now, what if you don't want to move around, and you do want to stand in one place, and you also want to dump ungodly amounts of damage into every enemy? Well, then Black Mage might tell be you for you. About Black Mage and Thaumaturge, which it evolves from. Black Mage is sort of the signature job of Final Fantasy. It's one of the most iconic bits of the game, right? Everyone knows the funny little Black Mage from Final Fantasy IX. Um, Black Mage in this game is one of the highest uh, damage classes you can play. It focuses on just unleashing raw magical destruction at an incredible scale um and but the main problem with black mage i think is that one if you don't like standing around a long time you will be unsatisfied with the class for a while eventually you will be able to get fun traversal mechanics and teleporting to other party members and whatnot you don't start with any of that. The other thing is that a lot of the skills that make Black Mage feel so good to so many people come kind of late. The class takes a really long time to get together. But if you know you're in it for the long haul and you know you like to just make things explode, uh, Black Mage is probably the right choice for you. Because I will say, I was very skeptical of black mage for a very long time it was the last job it was one of the last jobs i unlocked and because i i didn't want to stand around and, and, and i thought i would be be doing nothing then i cast flare and i said ah i understand now 
I get it. You get it. Yes, it's it's if you want to deal the big damage and look at the big numbers and the big explosion animations, then this is the class for you. It just, you know, requires a little bit of patience to get there. You know, we all we all have to deal with having Blizzard 2 for a while. Uh, that being said, they're actually what? they're actually changing Blizzard Two to be a useful skill now. So that's right. Of course, all all the things we're saying could change uh, to some degree or another with Endwalker, which is a huge rebalance for the game. Monk, in particular, is changing a lot. Astrologian is changing a lot. One of the healers. And speaking of the healers, let's talk about the last AR class, which is damage class, which is definitely the strangest one in the game. Uh, that is Arcanist, which is what I will be starting as on my new character. Arcanist is a unique job because it evolves into two separate jobs that level simultaneously. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, it's it's one of those things where um, I, I have to wonder if this was like a direction that they were sort of planning on going in. Um, for more classes and they just never ended up doing it because it was maybe complicated or difficult to pull off but but yeah the, the deal with arcanist is very strange so you level arcanist you get it to level 30 and you immediately have access to two completely separate jobs uh summoner and scholar and we'll go over now, scholar in a minute but we'll, we'll start with summoner we, well, i don't think we here's the here's the problem that i'm running into right now is that I don't know how new summoner is going to work because summoner is the job that is going to change the most probably in Endwalker, which is kind of the reason that I'm choosing Arcanist as my starting class because I want to see the progression of summoner in its final form here. Summoner as it stands now is one of the strangest jobs in the game. So to best I can describe it because I haven't gotten very far in it, the best way, so so summoner obviously you summon pets to fight alongside you, uh, the the smaller versions of certain primals that you fight. Um, they have their own attacks and abilities and whatnot that you can use uh, alongside them. This is stacked with a, a focus on DOTs, a bunch of different trance phases that give you access to certain attacks, certain free damage buttons that you progress through over the course of a fight. Right now, Summoner has an infamously complex uh, rotation that if you are interrupted, you kind of have to start entirely over. There's no pickup point. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it um, like a... It's like a four or five minute like rotation, like the whole thing put together, right? Yeah, it's, it's pure madness, which is kind of the reason they're changing it. Summoner is, I think... It's, it's, it's always been the odd duck of, of the DPS classes, chiefly because it has access to a healing spell, but it's really bad. Arcanist gets Physic, which is a healing spell, and Summoner, until this patch, carried it over. All of that is to say that Summoner is strange and esoteric, and I think by the time we get into this podcast, we'll learn if new Summoner is something you'll be interested in or not, which is very exciting. Yes, so so look forward to that, uh, fans of summoning animals. Um, uh, this leads us very neatly, of course, into uh, the healing classes, because the other class Darkness turns into is Scholar. Scholar is also about summoning things, uh, specifically fairies. 
as a healer, Scholar focuses not necessarily on regenerating health like uh, White Mage, which we'll talk about in a minute. Instead, Scholar focuses on bolstering HP uh, with armor, basically like extra HP to layer on your own. And so it's, it's, it's kind of an odd one. Once again, it, it's the odd duck out of, out of the healers here where its healing rate is technically far, far lower than either of the others currently in the game, but it has the capacity to do truly insane things with a, a variety of different, basically install skills that it has where you can, you can boost your, your things and, and obviously, the the fairy constantly heals you and your party members, uh, which is one thing that kind of helps it out. Scholar is, I think, the thinking man's uh, healing class. If you are a true strategist uh, and you and you really like puzzling out things, the best way to do things, I think Scholar might be the healer you want to go with. Yeah, Scholar Scholar seems like quite tactical. There's there's a lot of decision making in there. Um, White Mage is a little bit more straightforward. Uh, White Mage is... I would say significantly more straightforward. Yeah, White Mage is is a lot more straightforward. It is, you know, the White Mage. This is the sort of epitomal healer, right? This is the, like, uh, very much... Whatever you're imagining a healer in an MMO is, pretty much that's White Mage, right? Like, your, your job is to just keep everybody alive you you have a lot of skills to help you do that you have a lot of aoe heals you have a lot of uh, very potent single target heals um, but you also have actually access to quite a lot of damage output um like i said earlier including one of the most important aoe skills in the game so holy is a, is a an attack you unlock at I think level fifty. Now this is significantly different from most other AOE heals for one or AOE damage attacks for one very important reason. Holy stuns enemies, which allows you to if your tank pulls a huge amount of enemies, you can use holy to buy yourself time to set up your heals because white mage is all about regen white mage loves to buff uh other other players with a lot of regen and so what you basically have is a a a a healer that is all about getting your momentum going and is pretty simple apart from that like you if you want a healing experience that is very straightforward very parsable and you just uh, are are treated as 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 a god by by other players. You are you are showered with commendations. I think White Mage might be a good choice, which of course evolves from Conjurer. Yes, and which which does not involve conjuring anything. I might add, there's no summoning involved there. No, but you do conjure up a lot of uh, fancy heals. So so there's that. Um, and then of course the 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 final leg of the triangle here. Uh, is the tanks um, in an ARR? We got two flavors to choose from. Um, we'll start with uh, with Warrior uh, evolves from Marauder, and uh, if you like to 
go completely insane with a big, huge axe and smash people in the face as hard as possible, I would recommend Warrior. Warrior is all about, you know, harnessing your inner beast to do a whole bunch of shit of sick shit. Um, it is probably the second most damage focused uh tank other than gunbreaker which we won't be fully covering in this in this episode because that's that's a later bit of content here but warrior is all about yeah just getting into it smashing the shit out of whatever is in front of you while also pumping yourself full of healing to stay alive heal uh warrior is sort of i would say it is probably the easiest tank uh, to play and is definitely the most fun from lower levels you get a lot of toys to play with from pretty early on that allow you to just go completely fucking nuts yeah and it's like it, it it seems pretty fun i haven't had a chance to play warrior yet um but it is everyone loves to talk about falcleave everybody loves falcleave falcleave is good falcleave is pretty good like to press it like to press that button uh, the other class is Paladin, which evolves from Gladiator, and Paladin is sort of, uh, again, similar to how White Mage is probably what you're imagining in your head for a healing class, Paladin is probably what you're imagining in your head for a tank. They sort of embody that kind of protector role. Um, they have access to spells as well as sort of their normal sort of physical damage stuff. They have a heal. Um, they also have um, a lot of different like protector style abilities for the rest of the party. They are sort of the caster tank hybrid. They have a lot. They have, they have a, quite a lot of magic they have access to uh, they're basically the only tank other than dark knight that uses their mana bar at all um and yeah it, it, paladin is kind of an odd one they, they they i haven't gotten that far but it seems to me that paladin has a lot of skills that sort of sit apart from each other but interconnect not in a combo way but in a mechanical way um yeah a lot of damage mitigation for party wide they they have if you want to be the sort of uh the the shield of light for the rest of your party and, and take all the all of the damagement for your poor squishy healer uh paladin is probably the one for you or if you just like you know cool swords and cool shields that's true this is the only class in the game that gets access to shields well the only class in the game that makes use of shields past like <laughs> level 30 there's some weirdness with white mage yeah. and uh black mage where they technically can equip shields but it's kind of weird yes and so that brings us to the end of the aor classes obviously there are more that you'll be able to access depending on what part of the store you're at or what level you're at and whatnot um we will probably talk a lot more about them once they come up. Yes. Uh, because, once again, you can play whatever you want. You can pick it up whenever. If you want to, you, you're at Heavensward, and you have the full game and say, I want to play Heavensward as a gunbreaker. Um, I think you can do that. Uh, yes, you can, can do that. Yeah, I guess you no, yeah, you, you can't. can't. I was going to say, I don't think 16. you can play Heavenward as a Gunbreaker. You can. If you want to play Stormblood play. as a Gunbreaker, you can. Yeah, you can play Stormblood as a Gunbreaker. You can also play, um, you can play as, uh, 
like uh you could play as a, as a red mage you could play as a, as a machinist you know very very there are all things. sorts of ways to to lay waste to your enemies in this game and then we will cover them shortly but that is basically your lineup of what you can do when you're first starting this game and of course each one of those corresponds to one of the three starting cities which we will explain more about once we start talking about the background of this game um, yes other than that you know th- there's no stats to worry about uh there's no racial stats in this game technically there are but they don't actually matter like yeah there's like so that's that's sort of a, a holdout from i think 1.0 really is there are racial stats and there and those stats technically matter but they only matter like a very very small amount they're they're basically inconsequential at this point and i really really wouldn't be concerned with it like it's still going to appear on character creation but you know don't don't pay it too much mind it's it's not really important do you want to be a little three foot tall lollifel swinging around a giant axe you can do that you can do that there's nothing stopping you there's truly nothing um, stopping you, and, you know, Godspeed if you decide to do that. Um, as far as the two of us are concerned, um, as far as what we're kind of going to start with, um, you already said they're they're starting with Arcanist, uh, because they really want to experience, like, how, like, Summoner is going to evolve and that kind of thing. I picked uh, Pugilist, and, and I did that for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to make sure that we started in uh, different starting cities, and I also wanted to make sure I started in a city I didn't start with. Um, I started with Gridania, because that's where you start for, um, uh, for Archer. But, uh, but this time I'll be in, uh, in Ulda learning about how to punch people good. Um, and I specifically picked Monk, because Monk is also getting its second big rework in recent memory and uh, i really really wanted to sort of see how monk is gonna evolve and how that's gonna kind of come together now that it's very different from how it used to be yeah so that is what we're gonna do and of course we're gonna be playing every combat job we each have our own assigned classes and jobs here that we'll be covering uh we we, we're we're obviously not gonna play all of them at the same time uh because that would be pure madness but we will cover every bit of of every uh job in the game and how they feel you know advancing and and what the changes are like and all of that yes uh we got we got a lot to say about very specific things with certain jobs certain job quests and that kind of thing there's there's a lot to talk about with that sort of thing so is there anything else to cover here in this prelude um because if if you are somehow following along to this i think where you should be at is the the button you press to log on to the game i think so like, i think so too this is you know hopefully hopefully this is you know selling a little bit uh on you know the game itself i think that it's it's a pretty fun time you have uh, a lot of really cool uh stuff you can you can get to experience in this game it's got a very very unique and interesting story and there's a lot of very cool like combat and and non-combat things you get to do in this game that are fairly unique and uh you know hopefully we've we've sold you a little bit on uh on the experience and i think there's one more thing we forgot to mention about this game that is a big part of its appeal 
the OC factory bit of it because everyone loves their Final Fantasy character. Everyone loves their Warrior of Light. So perhaps we could introduce our 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 characters here for this this little podcast that will that will be embodying uh for the for the bit here no, nothing too detailed just a big uh, an overview a name all of that sort of thing yes uh so our our brand new characters will be will be taking with us into into this grand little adventure here uh mine is going to be an aura actually uh, and her name's going to be yisu dothlarl um and uh for for everybody who knows the game uh you'll you'll probably recognize that last name it's uh it's from a very specific uh tribe of uh zayla from the uh the azim steppe and uh one of my personal favorites uh groups that uh that exists in the game so i'm i'm very excited to kind of uh develop a develop a little bit of a background for yisu and then kind of create a create a a fun background I decided I would take advantage of one of N. Walker's new features, which is Male Vieira, previously a gender-locked race. They added in bunny boys. So I am going to be traversing the game as Aurelius Hawthorne, a excitable, bookish, uh, eager-to-learn young wizard who journeyed out from from the forests to to learn what the world has to offer and maybe is a bit too eager to try out all sorts of weird magic and whatnot and see what happens yes so we're we're gonna be going off as this dynamic duo and we're going to be uh exploring the bright new world of eorzea all over again and it's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun time i'm i'm very excited for this honestly oh yes and of course, I'm also very excited to play Endwalker this month. We, of course, will be finishing out the story before going back to the past where it all began. So keep an eye out. Upcoming, we will have another prelude lecture here where we are going to be going over kind of the lore of the background of this game because there is an extensive history of eorzea to be found here oh yes we've got we've got quite a lot to cover in our next uh, module here so uh so make sure you've got your uh pen and paper ready it will be on the test so until our next lesson everyone we uh we hope to see you someday soon in in in, in the fields of eorzea alongside us yes uh, and i have been one of your lecturers jane i've been the other lecturer nero And we'll see you next time, class.